At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Dow Jones Industrial Average has been flirting with 20,000 points for the last week or more. And it's got everybody quite tantalized at the moment. <laughs> Just very much looking forward to that magic 20,000-point mark. As I record the show right now on January 11, 2017, it's at 19,954 points. I think it's doing this little 90-10 rule for coming in for a kiss. We've come in 90% and it's just simply sitting there and waiting, waiting, waiting to make up the other 10%. (laughs) But here's the questions that matter, though. Number one, what does it mean for the Dow to be at 20,000? Number two, what does the Dow at 20,000 mean to you? And what should you do? about a 20,000-point Dow Jones Industrial Average. But first, sponsor of the day today, number one, is Paladin Registry. Hey, if you're listening to this and you don't already know what Dow Jones Industrial Average is and what it means for it to be at 20,000 points, that might mean that you don't have a good financial advisor to talk to and call. And that might mean that you didn't already meet with a good financial advisor and ask them about that. Well, <laughs> listen to the show, but as soon as we hang up the show, go to RadicalPersonalFinance.com slash Paladin and start your search for your next great financial advisor, RadicalPersonalFinance.com slash Paladin. Also sponsored by Personal Capital. Personal Capital is the best financial das- dashboard for you to use to see all of your accounts and all of your money and the performance in one spot. Because here's the deal. The Dow Jones Industrial Average doesn't tell you how much money you have or what the performance of your portfolio is. But personal capital can do that for you. Sign up for a free account at RadicalPersonalFinance.com slash personal capital. RadicalPersonalFinance.com slash personal capital. Welcome to Radical Personal Finance, the show dedicated to providing you with the education and the insight that you need in order to live a rich and peaceful life now while building a plan for financial freedom in 10 years or less. My name is Joshua Sheets and I'm your host. Thank you for being with me. Going to work very hard on that education and that insight today on this thorny question of Dow 20,000. A lot of people out there making a lot of noise about Dow at 20,000. <laughs> What's always funny about uh, records in the stock market indexes and things like that is it, it, there's such a, a just a kind of a clashing of, of 
ideas and opinions on what it means. I think of it like uh, a place if you go out on a boat and, you, and when the tide is turning and you get two tidal currents where they meet. It's like these giant waves stand up where you get two currents that meet. Uh, it's just these big standing waves that sit there. And I, I think of Dow or, Dow or any stock index uh, records as that. You have on the one hand, you have the bulls. and the other hand, you have the bears. And you have the bulls. The bulls are excited about the fact that, hey, we're in new territory. We're in uncharted territory. The Dow at 20,000 points. Woohoo! Things are going up. Then you've got the bears who are saying, oh, everything's going to be terrible. And in today's world of financial media, uh, where there's such a, a diversity of opinion, uh, I mean, the doom and gloomers are, are moaning and crying in their boots about Dow at 20,000, just saying it's the most obvious example of an overvalued market of all time. Obviously, the Dow is at 20,000 and the economy is terrible, so therefore, everything's a nightmare. And on the flip side, of course, you can make the opposite case. So what does it actually mean? Well, Hard to uh, boil all of the meaning down into one um, short, little, succinct podcast, but I'm going to do my best. Uh, and I want to start with just a little bit of background information, a little bit of insight. We're not going to try to do deep-level financial analyst stuff, just a little bit of information on what is the Dow Jones Industrial Average? Where does it come from? What does it actually mean? How does it work? Uh, what does 20,000 points mean? Uh, it's one of the most commonly known uh, Stock market indexes. My guess would be that if you were going to ask normal people to name a stock market index, most normal people would begin with listing off the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Uh, it's one of those things that's easily repeated. It's reported at newscasts all the time, every evening news for decades. Uh, most people would probably have recognized Dow Jones Industrial Average far more than the S&P 500. And it's uh, one of the oldest ind- indexes that's ever been created. It was actually first calculated back in 1896. It's been around for quite a while. Quick bit of history. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was named, it was first created by uh, a man named Charles Dow, who was the co-founder of the Dow Jones and Company. Uh, he came up, started came up, coming up with this idea of these indexes, and he created it uh, together with one of his business associates, a statistician named Edward Jones. Uh, and the, the, the point of it was to calculate how this basket of stocks would perform so that they could have a, a metric to judge the performance. Uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is not the oldest index. It's actually the second oldest index. Uh, the first index that the Dow Jones uh, company came up with was the Dow Jones Transportation Average. That was the first index that they created. And then they came up with this Dow Jones Industrial Average. Now, it was largely originally intended to be related and uh, connected to heavy industry. Today, that's just kind of a historical uh, misnomer because it does very little to, uh, to do with, the, uh, with heavy industry of any kind. The index was originally created with about 12, with 12 stocks in it, and today it has about 30. Here are the companies that are currently in uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, 3M, American Express, Apple Computer, Boeing, Caterpillar, Chevron, Cisco Systems, Coca-Cola, DuPont, ExxonMobil, General Electric, Goldman Sachs, The Home Depot, IBM, Intel, Johnson & Johnson, J.P. Morgan Chase, McDonald's, Merck, 
Microsoft, Nike, Pfizer, Procter and Gamble, Travelers, United Health Group, United Technologies, Verizon, Visa, Walmart, and finally Walt Disney. Now, of course, you could see from those, Walt Disney is not a heavy industry company. Neither is Walmart, Visa, Verizon, <laughs> or uh, practically most of these. So it's not an industrial uh, average anymore. But the components of the Dow have been changed many times, uh, a total of 51 times. Uh, but uh, it's, you know, they, they've, they've tried to keep the index reflective. The company that's been in there the longest was General Electric. Uh, they started being listed in that uh, in the index in 1907, and here in 2017, 100 and, 110 years later, they still continue to be in there. But at different times, uh, they've taken different uh, companies in and out of the uh, of the index. So there are many attributes to the Dow Jones Industrial Average that cause financial financial people and financially knowledgeable people to discount its importance. Uh, but it's not to say it's unimportant. It just has some significant features that make it very troubling uh, or, or not the most useful. There are other indexes that are much more useful. Probably the biggest thing that you should be aware of in the Dow Jones Industrial Average is that it is, it is what's called a price-weighted index. This means that the most important factor in calculating the impact of the various uh, up and down movements of the stocks of the companies that are used in calculating the Dow Jones Industrial Average is their price. Meaning price as measured in dollars per share. So if you have a uh, a stock that is $20 per share, uh, and you have a st- and that moves up by one point from $20 to $21 per per share, then that will move the Dow Jones Industrial Average up by one point. If you have a stock that's $80 per share and it moves up by from $1, from $80 to $81, that'll move the Dow Jones Industrial Average up by one point. Now, if it were all as simple as that, it's not, I'll get to that in just a moment, but if it were all as simple as that, you could immediately start to see some of the potential problems uh, of the uh, of this structure. So pretend it's as simple as, as a dollar, uh, one, for every dollar that the share price changes, that changes the, the average by one point. You can see here that uh, you don't get any insight into how large any particular company is or how many shares of stock that a company has. See, you could have a company that has 10 shares of stock at $10 a piece, or you could have that same exact company could issue 20 shares of stock at $5 a piece, and the company would get exactly the same amount of revenue. You as an investor could buy the same value of the shares. You just have a slightly different number. And there are different reasons why some companies will have stock prices that will trade at lower dollars, and some companies will have stock prices that will trade at higher dollars. You famously have the the share prices of something like a stock like Berkshire Hathaway, which is tens of thousands and uh, now over $100,000. Uh, or you might have companies that are down on the considered to be penny stocks that are super cheap. So the, the share price can change dramatically. And it's not so much the actual share price that is important as the value of the company. But the value of the company, that's called the market capitalization, market cap, is not reflected in the price of the stock, nor is it reflected in the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Uh, so you can also see here that if you have a company that is very strong uh, but is moving 
from $80 in value to $81 in value, that's a much smaller percentage move than a company that's $20 in value and moving from $20 to $21 in value. So this price-weighting methodology has uh, some substantial problems with it. Now, before I go on, the Dow is not today uh, as simple. It's not the 30, it's not the 30 companies and the price of their shares uh, calculated out and multiplied out to equal the, the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Uh, what's happened over the years is that there are all kinds of changes that have had to be made to the index in order to keep it functioning. When it was originally built with those 12 stocks, it was that simple. Uh, you just take the total price divided uh, of, all the, of all the stocks, divided by 12, and that would be the Dow Jones Industrial Average. But today, because of all of the stock splits and the spinoffs, and sometimes new stocks come in and new stocks go out, they have to consistently update the divide the number that is actually that is actually pulled in, and the divisor is changed uh, constantly. Uh, it's varied all over the place in terms of the price. Uh, it was the divisor in 1928 was at uh, 16.67 points. So you would take all the the prices of the stocks of the 30 companies and multiply it up, divided by 16.67, uh, and it was it's been it's very very low now. I don't have the current one in front of me, but it's like 0. 0.1, 0. 0.13 something, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's published in the, in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, so this number uh, is is what's calculated in to wind up being the 20,000 20, point number of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. But that price weighting thing is a real problem. It means that companies don't necessarily have the influence that the size of the company would indicate. Uh, here's just one example from a Bloomberg article from today that makes the, uh, the, the point here. The Dow Jones Industrial Average has climbed about 13% or 2,250 points since the end of 2015. Its four best performers, all rising a similar amount, added about 1,000 points between them. But look at the distribution of those points. A 30% gain in $309 billion J.P. Morgan, again, $309 billion J.P. Morgan, was only good enough for 136 points. A 30 per, I'm going to read that again just in case you're driving down the road. Pay attention to the numbers. A 30% gain in $309 billion J.P. Morgan was only good enough for 136 points, while $101 billion rival Goldman Sachs contributed 415 points with a 33% increase. So Goldman Sachs, a company that's a third of the size, contributes 415 points with a similar increase in value as compared to J.P. Morgan. The best performer in the index, Caterpillar, rose 37% and contributed 172 points, despite having a market capitalization of $55 billion. Size doesn't matter in the Dow. That's a real problem. So it's a good example here just to, to show how, um, how big of a deal this is, which is why generally uh, financial advisors don't pay much attention to the Dow in their portfolios or anything. It's more of a historical thing, uh, and the public likes it than, than just about anything else. Here's one, uh, par another paragraph from that article. They said, want to get the Dow above $20,000? Example, time for an experiment. Let's take $153 billion Cisco, which has the lowest stock price in the Dow, 
and see what happens when it's replaced. Here's what the Dow would look like when a selection of worthy constituents, $18 billion Campbell soup, uh, so let me, there's a, a chart, so I obviously had to read it to you. $18 billion Campbell soup, um, $37 billion Emerson Electric, or even $10 billion Harley Davidson are added. It takes all of those over at 20000 uh, so any one of those companies, you can swap out $153 billion Cisco, swap in $18 billion Campbell Soup, $37 billion Emerson Electric, or $10 billion Harley Davidson, and boom, you're over $20,000. Uh, just don't replace it with $76 billion Priceline because that'll take all the fun out of Dow 30000 You're immediately at Dow over 30000 if you just swap in Priceline. So hopefully you get the idea. The point is that with, for actual analysis, it's not particularly useful. Now, does it matter? Yes, um, it does matter. Uh, probably the best thing about the Dow is just simply how old it is. Because the Dow is so old, you can go and you can take this consistent methodology and you can clearly chart uh, the growth of the American economy, the growth of the companies that have been involved in the Dow. It gives you a good indication of the direction of the value of the share prices of the companies. It's also important simply because it's always out there. It's always out there in the news. And it is indicates the direction of the markets. So certainly the Standard & Poor's 500 and NASDAQ are much better indexes to watch. But you'll see that these generally move together. And so these, the S&P 500 and NASDAQ are also uh, at or near their own all-time highs. So the Dow is definitely an index that sends a signal. It's definitely something that uh, people will notice. Uh, when it goes over 20,000, it will be news. It'll be front page news. Uh, you'll see it in the news. You'll see it on the websites. You'll see it on social media, etc. You'll see people crowing about it. Uh, you'll see it attributed to all kinds of people. President Obama's uh, final, uh, final victory of his administration. You'll see people moaning about it. It's the end of the world, signal of the end of the world as we know it. But you'll certainly see the 20,000 mark uh, talked about. It is going to matter. So that's what the Dow is. Uh, and the answer to it is yes, it does matter. Now let's get more personal. And let's talk about what should the Dow at 20,000 mean to you? And then what should you do about it in your own personal investments and your own personal financial life? First, what should it mean to you? Well, it should mean in some ways very little to you. Because you should be watching your money, not other people's money. So yes, Dow Jones Industrial Average at 20000 is a, a, a social signal. Uh, it's going to play into the tenor around you, and that does matter. But the more important factor would be what's your personal index? What's your personal performance? How is your portfolio doing? Those are the numbers that matter because you can't spend the Dow Jones Industrial Average. But you can spend the money in your accounts. And so this should be a signal to you to stop and to look at your accounts and to see, well, how am I doing? Am I at record highs? Is my portfolio at record highs? How's the performance of my portfolio? Perhaps pull up a chart of the Dow Jones Industrial Average Performance and compare that to your performance and see how things rank up. That's what it should mean to you. It should be a signal. 
because beyond the fact that the Dow Jones Industrial Average simply has psychological effects on the population of the United States and the world and on stock traders, it doesn't mean anything to you. It doesn't affect your life. But your portfolio affects your life. Your portfolio is what you can actually spend. Your portfolio is what will determine how wealthy or poor you wind up being in the future. You need to pay careful attention to the emotions that you feel. Many people will feel an emotion about, hey, I'm at Dow 20,000. This is the top. This is the end. It's all going to go down from now. You need to handle that emotion. Many people will feel the emotion of uh, the opposite. Uh, Dow is great. Hey, the times are good. Let me go ahead and put more money in. Both of these emotional reactions need to be tempered by careful analytical thinking and careful reevaluation of your goals. More on this in a moment, but but the reason I chose these two sponsors for today's show is because they fit in so perfectly. Uh, again, personal capital, Paladin Registry. Personal capital, what you should do about Dow 20,000 is go right over to your personal capital dashboard, uh, which, of course, you'll download it first. Sign up for free at RadicalPersonalFinance.com slash personal capital. Uh, totally free. You'll go into personal capital and you'll do just like you do on other uh, banking things. You'll put in your banking information and you'll connect all your accounts. And then, boom, personal capital will give you this beautiful dashboard of all of your accounts. If you have banking accounts, you'll see all the banking data. If you have investment accounts that you've linked up, you'll see all of that investment data. And you can start to look through some of the analytics and some of the metrics and start to track the performance of your actual portfolio. They've done a wonderful job uh, opening up this metrics, uh, these metrics. Uh, that's, to me, one of the biggest values of personal capital. Yeah, they've got the budget tracking stuff, but um, I think they're proactive budgeting stinks. It's the same as anybody else. But their dashboard is beautiful and they've got great insights on investments. So that would be the first place that I would go is go over my personal capital account, pull things open and take a look and let's just review. Are my account balances at record numbers? How's my net worth statement? We just finished up January 1, 2017. How much did your net worth grow in the last calendar year? All of these questions are questions that you can answer uh, simply by using uh, the personal capital, personal finance tools. That, again, sign up for free. Uh, use my link. Uh, please use my tracking link so I get credit for your visit. Go to RadicalPersonalFinance.com slash personal capital uh, and sign up for a free account there. Link all your accounts uh, and then start tracking your net worth. Start using it to track your investment performance. Then also Paladin Registry. Paladin Registry, again, is a registry service for vetted financial advisors. So if you're looking for a financial advisor, you can go down the street to the financial district and walk into some offices. You can go through the phone book or, or, or you know, go online and start looking. The challenge is that there's no way to know if that advisor has been screened on any circumstances whatsoever. So what you've got to do is you've got to start by going through and screening uh, financial advisors. Well, if you start with Paladin Registry, you can cut that process short because Paladin Registry and the founder, Jack Weimeyer, built this screen of 15 different points and they will go in and start to focus and they, they've pre-selected the financial advisors. So you may or may not be able to find uh, somebody that works with your personality that you feel really gets you and gets your goals. But at least you can be confident that you're talking to people who are 
honest, who have ethical backgrounds, and who are knowledgeable in the personal finance and investing space. So find a great financial advisor because you should have, hey, if you got questions about Dow 20,000, you probably should have started there. Find a great financial advisor at RadicalPersonalFinance.com slash Paladin. RadicalPersonalFinance.com slash P-A-L-A-D-I-N. Now, back to emotions. Anytime the markets hit highs and lows, you should carefully look at and think about and consider and analyze your personal emotions. If you find yourself right now extremely nervous about your investments, you need to sit down and talk with your financial advisor about your nervousness. Are you nervous that the market's going to fall apart? If so... Pay attention to that because if you don't understand your nervousness and you don't pay attention to it, it will be very easy for you to succumb to an emotional decision in the future. Now, stock market investing may or may not be right for you and your portfolio may or may not be right for you. Not every, in my opinion, not everybody should own stocks. I don't buy the line that everybody should own stocks. Everybody should own mutual funds. Guess what? There are lots of rich people in your town who got rich and never owned stocks. And what many of them have learned is they simply didn't have the temperament to handle the ups and downs of the stock market. And so they wisely pointed their focus in a different direction. Now, obviously, I'm here to seek to educate you on uh, on. You know what, what numbers mean, what stocks mean, etc. Your financial advisor is there to educate you on what these things mean. But the point of it all is simply that you need to understand for yourself what's true and what's not and what works for you. Now, a couple of comments on kind of what's going on with Dow 20,000. There are definitely some political winds that are blowing, in my opinion, uh, definitely some political winds that are blowing uh, the Dow. Uh, and we should pay attention to that. Uh, I think that that uh, with the election of, Donald, uh, of President-elect Donald Trump, uh, that changed the financial markets. And he certainly has been making many more overture, overtures toward the world of finance focusing heavily on pro-growth policies. You know, he's promised to be the greatest jobs president that, what was it? He said, I'm, I'm going to be the greatest jobs president that God ever created. I think that's his quote. <laughs> that's his quote. <laughs> I didn't know that God created jobs presidents. I thought that, uh, um, but who knows? Maybe Who knows? Maybe he will be. Uh, but he's very, very focused on seeking to build up, um, build up and, and, and grow jobs and to stimulate the economy. Uh, of course, you have to ask the question, and the libertarian uh, free market guy in me wants to always ask, okay, what impact does the president actually have? But at the very least, the president makes a signal, and Wall Street has been thoroughly uh, happy with the election of President-elect Trump in, in terms of the signals that he's sending. There's also probably uh, just the fact that you have a Republican uh, majority in the House, you have a Republican majority in the Senate, and you have a Republic, Republican president's. Uh, that is a remarkable uh, – well, it's a remarkable move. So what it means is that the Republicans, if they are able to work effectively together, will probably be able to pass more bills than past Congresses where the, the Congress and the president, the legislative branch and the executive branch are at loggerheads with one another. So time will tell. 
certainly had an impact. Now, the question, of course, is do politics determine the direction of your portfolio? And this is the biggest thing that often frustrates me that I, when I read articles and analysis that people make is people often assume that uh, the company country is synonymous with the companies in the country. So, for example, the United States is uh, has extremely difficult financial problems in terms of large uh, debts uh, and especially large debts that uh, are not generally reported on the books, uh, commonly called unfunded liabilities. You have problems, major problems with Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, accounts for 50 for, Counts for fifty percent of the of the uh, budget of the uh, the United States and just a massive financial boondoggle, uh, to- totally underfunded. Uh, depending on the number that you use, you were talking hundreds of trillions of dollars. You know, I use the number about two hundred and twenty trillion dollars. I cite uh, Professor Kotlikoff from Boston University, but whatever, they're different estimates, and who knows? This is not the current debt. This is not the current debt as expressed as a percentage of GDP. It's just a significant problem. But the question is, is that problem solvable? And does that problem have to be solved by the companies? I think this is one of the constant things that I see, that companies and countries are different entities. You can't look at those companies that are in the Dow Jones Industrial Average and think that that the only influence on them in terms of their profits – is just how the American economy performs or what the American government does. You have Apple Corporation and Boeing Corporation and Coca-Cola. Are these companies entirely reliant on what the, um, you know, the, what the U.S. government does or doesn't do or the financial fiscal problems of the U.S. government? No, they have massive global enterprises, huge, massive global enterprises. And so thus you – always have to dig down a little bit deeper and say, how does my company work? Where do the revenues come from for my company? Uh, What are the factors that are going to influence my profits at the end of the year? That's the type of analysis that will make a difference. No question the president of the United States will have an impact on the company. These poor companies that get called out and uh, President-elect Trump's tweets or in his speeches (laughs) this afternoon, he recorded his press conference and he started talking about pharmaceutical companies and all the pharma stocks went down. Uh, Or, you know, Boeing got hammered and their stock got hammered because he got called out on the new Air Force One project. So certainly these companies are affected, but these are blips. These are small these are small blips on the radar screen uh, in terms of the actual performance of the company. Uh, so always remember, companies and countries are not the same thing. Second, always remember, companies have the ability to change. Some quickly, some slowly. But companies have the ability to change. Companies, even including the large ones, though they face many problems with massive bureaucracy, they face many advantages due to their size. And they can change. And they're staffed by smart men and women who are looking at all the same information that you are and seeking to understand how do we gain more customers, how do we build more profits, and how do we make sure that we return profits to our owners. That's what they're doing. And they can change. They can change from the top to the bottom. They can change all kinds of things. Now, obviously, they're not all going to change for the better. Sometimes they're going to make mistakes. But they can change. And companies can change and adapt their business model to face a changing world. It's so important to always keep that in mind. 
no matter what the laws do, no matter what legal changes uh, come about, no matter what the Federal Reserve Board does, a company has the ability to change, to change its operations. Yeah, I had an interesting experience thinking about it. There's a lot of, of uh, uh, fuss in the previous election cycle uh, about uh, the potential changes of minimum wage laws. And uh, longtime listeners of the show know I'm emphatically opposed to uh, minimum wage laws. I, find, I think they're discriminatory and they hurt workers. They do nothing but, um, but drive down employment and they hurt the, the people who, who can afford to be the least hurt. Minimum wage laws hurt the poor, they hurt the uneducated, they hurt um, many of the young, uh, and so they're a terrible idea, uh, in my opinion. That comes from, an, from a profoundly uh, deep free market conviction uh, and the b- profound belief in the ability of two individuals to come together and strike whatever voluntary contract they want to strike with one another. Uh, but that's a politically unpopular opinion. It's politically popular to say, well, we need to pay a working wage. Well, who knows? Who knows if I'm right? Who knows if other people are right? But there was a lot of hullabaloo about a a, a minimum wage and raising the minimum wage. Well, I've predicted for a long time and have observed that if you lobby for a higher minimum wage, all you're lobbying for is your employer to work harder on finding a cheaper replacement for you. So – you better be careful. Uh, and one of the biggest changes that I have seen is many of the minimum wage type jobs, especially service-related jobs, are in jeopardy. And this has happened slowly. Uh, but uh, cashier services, for example, in the beginning when self-checkout uh, lanes first became open, they were a little bit frustrating to use. They didn't work all that well. And so many people chose to go and work with the cashier. So stores came out with just one or two lanes. But I have observed that more and more self-checkout lanes are much more popular. I personally often use the self-checkout lane because it it moves quickly. Uh, I can move quickly as long as people in front of me are working. The payment systems are working faster. Just the whole process has been streamlined. Uh, there is a lot of fuss in the fast food working industry about the minimum wage. And I predicted for several years that the fast food industry would uh, replace the frontline workers with a computerized system. And there may be different applications of this. You can see this happening with ordering on an app on your phone. Uh, The technology is completely perfectly there where a company can use a a geolocation uh, on your phone uh, with your restaurant's application. You can, you can pay. You can do it all right through the payment systems on the phone. You can just pick up, walk in, uh, push, put the order on your phone, and you walk in and pick up the bag. Or you can use the kiosk. Well, for the first time this last um, two weeks ago when I was on vacation, I was up in Georgia, and I saw for the first time a McDonald's that had uh, kiosks, ordering kiosks, where instead of going up to the counter and giving your order to the person behind the counter, you could just simply punch the info in the computer. Same thing is coming. So uh, that's going to come and it's going to spread and be the majority of the ordering systems in the future, uh, in my opinion. Who knows? Again, I could be wrong, but that's my prediction. Because I would probably rather deal with a kiosk than deal with a person, especially a person who doesn't bring any value and who winds up being more frustrated. for frustrating to interact with because of poor customer service. At least with a computer, I know what I'm going to get. So that represents – my point is that that represents an indication, a current trend that you can watch and see in your own experience of how companies will adapt and will change based upon legislation and based upon economic environment. If 
wages were if 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 a company could pay uh, $2 an hour to a worker to take orders, they would have almost no incentive to bring on computers. My guess, I haven't researched all of their books, but uh, there is a point at however at which the labor costs become so high and then the person is replaced by a computer. So companies have the ability to make that change. That's very different than governments. A friend of mine long-time a political reporter and and has talked about uh, a lot about uh, Washington and just tells me some of the stories and the rules and things that are in place uh, on federal workers and the federal government. It's almost impossible to get rid of people. Well, companies will work their way through that. So don't associate governments and companies too tightly. Yes, they influence each other. Yes, they both matter, but they are not synonymous. They're simply not. Now, what should you do about Dow 20,000? Anytime you listen to information, anytime you listen to things, you should always ask, what's my action? What's the next action? Do I need to do something with this? So that should be what you're thinking. What do you need to do about Dow 20,000? If you take in an information like, hey, the Dow's at 20,000 and it doesn't affect you, then don't worry about it. If it's outside of your, your, uh, something that you can affect or change or should change in effect, don't worry about it. Just move on with your day. Focus on something that is important to you. What should you do? Well, sit, look at your investments, see how they're doing. If your financial plan dictates that you should be making changes, you might take advantage of market highs as an opportunity to sell. But that should be driven by your financial plan, not just based upon, uh, uh, you know, hey, I'm nervous about something. We'll get to the investment plan in a moment. Your financial plan is how your money actually integrates in your life. Your financial plan is uh, what drives uh, your, your personal decisions. Were you investing for retirement? Is that retirement 30 years from now? Well, if that retirement is 30 years from now, then Dow at 20,000 is not going to be influential in your personal uh, decisions. Now, are you planning to retire two years from now? Well, Dow at 20,000 might be an indicator that it's time to go ahead and start taking some cash out to start funding the first few years of retirement. If you were planning to buy a house, Dow at 20000 might be an indicator of a high market, so it's a good time to go ahead and sell. Or you were thinking about starting a business. Well, if you're thinking about starting a business, you might say, I need to move my money to cash, so Dow at 20000 would be a good time to do that. That's what I've done in the past. If you decide that you're going to sell, like for me, I was starting a business, decided I didn't want to own stocks anymore, wait for a high time to do it. This might be the time to do that. But that needs to be driven by your financial plan. The plan that involves your financial decisions and your personal goals. Now, what about your investment plan? Should you change your investment plan because of the Dow at 20000 Well, if your written investment plan has in it a sell indicator of if the Dow hits 20000 then sell, then yes, you should change something. <laughs> but I guarantee that not a single one of your investment plans has that as an indication. So, Short answer is no, you should not change anything. You don't change midstream in your investment plan unless something has materially changed. In your life, your your financial plan has changed, your life goals have changed, or you've decided to change your strategy. But you don't change just because uh, you have a certain indication. You follow the pre-planned, pre-thought-out investment plan. 
And the majority of you don't have a written investment plan. So what do you do? Well, you keep doing what you're doing until you decide to change a different strategy. Yeah, there are a few of you who are traders in the in the market, but you, you're not listening to this with the perspective of changing. Dow 20,000 is just you're already taking that information in. The majority of you who own stocks own them in the context of a mutual fund. And those mutual funds are either actively managed or they're passive index funds. If your mutual funds are actively managed, then by definition, you have chosen to hire a fund manager to manage your money for you. And you're paying that fund manager to choose the companies that they need to invest in. So trust the fund manager to do their job. That's the investment plan that you've chosen. If you own a mutual fund that's investing, you know, one of my favorite mutual funds, I always loved it. Investment Company of America with American funds. They had the best brochure. I just I loved that American success story of the classic mutual fund with you know what eighty years of history. Uh, I always loved that fund, and they had the best brochure that was just so fun to read. Always was a favorite of mine. Uh, I'm not saying it's good, bad. I'm not giving a buy recommendation. I just thought it was a, it was a neat mutual fund. So if you are high, if you have your money in the Investment Company of America with American funds. You've hired the fund managers to make these investment decisions for you. They're going to invest in the best companies of America, and they're going to try to do so in an intelligent way. So Dow at 20,000 is information that they're taking in. They're taking in that information. They're seeking to make intelligent financial decisions, investment decisions because of it. They might be looking down and saying, hey, Home Depot is doing well. Walmart's doing well. We think we have these other companies that are going to be doing better. Let's take some profit from Home Depot and Walmart and buy these other companies. But the point is that's not you. That's your fund manager. That's what you signed up for. Now, if something in your personal life has changed, then you would sell at Dow 20,000. But if nothing in your first personal life has changed such that you're not going to need the money, don't change because of market indicators. And I'll give you the same speech at the bottom of the market. Just happens to be that this is the top version. Now, if you're an indexer, okay, well, you have index funds. You don't have an investment manager who is choosing companies. But what are you committed to? You are committed in an indexing strategy to the overall growth of these companies, and you're committed to the fact that you can't guess which ones are going to do better than others, so you're just going to own all of them. So is there anything about the news of Dow at 20,000 that will cause you to change? There's nothing. Unless something has changed in your personal life, in your personal plans, you wouldn't change your investment strategy just because of Dow 20,000. Because to do so would mean that you are sacrificing your strategy. You're not following it. It's okay to change your strategy. Let's say you're changing your investment strategy. You can do that. But that would be because something has changed outside of Dow 20,000. And now you're just using an opportune time to go ahead and sell. I hope I know this is simplistic. Uh, and there are a few of you who are pursuing your own unique trading strategies and things like that. Obviously, this isn't relevant to you. But to the vast majority of you, I just summed up all of your investment strategies. You've either hired a mutual fund manager to manage your money within mutual funds, or you've chosen to hire a passive indexing company to hold your money in. 
and you don't change your strategy because of Dow 20,000. Might be a good time to rebalance, I guess. Um, article here that I may be covering in the future talks about uh, por- uh, titled from this last week, uh, Portfolio Rebalancing Might Be Overrated. We may talk about that in a news roundup. We'll see. Uh, but uh, uh, might be a good time to rebalance. Might be a good time to take some money. It's always fun to take money out of a portfolio and spend it if you want to take a big cruise or something. But don't make quick decisions because of things out there that aren't really related to you and not really related to your specific actions and to your your goals. Dow 20,000 is meaningful because of the buzz that it will put into the in the market and also because it's reflective of other indexes. But the index itself is not particularly useful for analysis. It's really not. Uh, it's kind of just an old-fashioned um, fun thing to keep an eye on because it has such a history. And it's not useful to your life. So, don't worry about it. Notice it. Enjoy it. It's good to enjoy when the market goes up, as long as you're not going to get too depressed when it goes down. Because it'll go down. Time will tell when. We don't know when. We don't know how much. But just remember... One out of three years, the market's going to be down a third. Every year, it's going to wander around, I don't know, 15%, 14 15%. 15% is going to wander up. It's going to wander down. Uh, probably in the next couple decades, it's going to go down by 50%. So you should be ready for that. That's what you signed up for when you signed up to invest in stocks. If you don't like it, get out. And your financial advisor should have told you to get out. Or educate yourself until you like it. Anyway, that's it. Thank you all so much. Oh, oh, oh. Um, as we go here, one quick thing. I need a huge favor from you guys. Um, get the web address. I wasn't prepared. You can enjoy the music for about 10 seconds. I'm doing a survey uh, with new advertising. I need to, if you'd be willing to help me, I need to get a little bit of demographic information. So I'm doing a very quick demographic survey. Uh, I'm working on selling a lot more advertising on radical personal finance. I'm doing, again, a demographic survey. If you could do me a favor, please. Uh, If you just have about 15 seconds, personal favor would mean helpful to me. I need a statistically representative sample of you, uh, of all of you to respond. So that means I need at least several hundred of you to respond. If you could please go to radicalpersonalfinance.com slash survey. Radicalpersonalfinance.com slash survey. That'll just jump you straight in. It's just a quick, simple, about a five-question demographic survey. So please, radicalpersonalfinance.com slash survey. Radicalpersonalfinance.com slash survey. Did I say it enough times? It's in the show notes. Radicalpersonalfinance.com slash survey. (laughs) See y'all.